stab your mummy in the neck, just like you did to my daddy. And then I'm going to stab Holly in the heart, just like you did to me. I guess everyone's a dad with one good scare. Do you want to play psycho? What are you playing for? Can I be the helpless victim? We all go a little mad sometimes. Welcome back, gay schools, and everyone in between to our podcast, The Horror Bandwagon. The podcast where I make my scaredy cat skeptical and wonderful fiance watch horror movies with me. That's me. I'm the fiance. My name is Sergio. And my name is Cody. And we are boys for horror analysis, criticism, and spooky, ooky, and sometimes kooky entertainment. And Cody, my dear, what are we doing for today? Well, guys. In case at first you don't succeed at getting your dream prom date, just remember that you can always have your creepy dad, who has a weird obsession with you, pick up your dream prom date for you just right off the street. Yeah, absolutely. Just kidding. Don't do that. (laughs) Yes, we do not encourage you kidnapping anybody as opposed to the characters um, that we are going to be talking about this episode. Mm -hmm. Yes, that is right, guys. We're going to be covering 2009's The Loved Ones. Which is funny because I graduated uh, high school in 2009. Please don't go into the archives and look up my prom pictures. Um, But this was a little relevant for me. I remember seeing the advertisements for this movie coming out. And since then, I've been wanting to watch this movie, but I just never have. For some reason, I never got the chance to sit down and be like, okay, I'm going to watch this movie. Um... But it just slipped my mind, I guess. Have you ever seen this movie before? No, I don't even think that I ever saw the trailers for it. Did you even know that this movie existed? No. See, this is why we continue this podcast. We are trying (laughs) to educate... uh, I almost said Sergio. That is me. Uh, We're trying to educate Cody on horror movies, in case you guys are new to the podcast. We're trying to educate Cody on more horror movies. And I always like to ask you if you've ever seen this movie before, just so people can believe us that Cody really doesn't know a lot about horror movies. I don't. But you're getting there. Slowly. Slowly but surely. I thought you were going to do like a airplane reference. No, because you didn't set it up right. The The airplane reference setup is, surely you haven't seen this movie before. And then I say, I have seen this movie before and never call me Shirley. You could have still said it. No, because it doesn't quite work. Okay. If, if you do it that way. Now, on that note, we are not talking about airplane. We're we are not. talking <laughs> about the loved ones. We This is our last movie about prom related things. It was a very short little theme, but we thought it was important to cover it. Um, plus, I always just love things that have to center around prom for some reason, mm-hmm. um, especially horror movies. And this one in particular was very on the nose about like, yeah, we kind of have to cover it. We've never seen it. And I feel like it would be awesome to do it as a first time watch for both of us. Uh, which is interesting because in this movie, they don't actually call it a prom. They call it the end of school dance. Which technically, I guess maybe just Americans. like just, maybe. We can be like, okay, this is technically the prom. Because the prom, I feel like it's the last dance, right? Yeah. It's supposed to be the last one. Imagine you just like sneak last one in, in there. Oh, my God. Uh-huh. But it's relatable because, as I said before, 2009 was my prom. Do you remember a song around your prom time that you like it just sticks with you because i know Um, mine i know my song oh now i can't even remember what it was um it was one i mean one of the like because you you were in 2010 i was 2010 but uh, our prom 
Uh, I feel like our prom theme was like a like vacation getaway or something. It was something. Wait, like, you had a theme? Yeah, ours. We had didn't a, have a theme. But I mean, people didn't like dress to the theme. It was just like the decorations that they got. I remember palm trees and like and, and like lays and stuff. But it wasn't like I never knew that proms had themes. Ours did. I don't know. I mean, maybe we just did prom wrong. I have no idea. But because you you were just like because did you have to dress up as nope, like no you, you it was still like. Tuxes, okay. gowns. Okay. Uh, it was just like how the student committee decorated everything. Yeah. And they had like, I remember there was like a punch bowl. And then I can't remember what song it was, but there was one song where like all the seniors basically like stood in a big circle and everyone put their arms around each other and we like swayed back and forth like some just like did naughty basic, things. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> basic graduation song. Like one of those ones that they play all the time. Oh, it was Forever Young. That's what it was. Oh, everyone my God. Just, I know. It's so cringy thinking it's back to it. It's cringy now, but like at the time that was the song. Yeah. Like it was all over the place. Yeah, so uh, that was that was what I remember from my prom. See, my song, on the day, I remember, on the day, it just kept coming on the radio nonstop, was I Got a Feeling by the Black oh, Eyed yep. Peas. That was definitely And it just too. hit so hard because we were like, this is the night. This is our night. We're going to live it up. God, Mazel Tov! Like, Listen, you know. that was like the that was the pump up song. That at the was time. the pump up song. All these kids just don't understand. It was it was very <laughs> interesting. Um, who did you end up going with? You don't have to say names. You can replace the names. But who did you end up going with? Uh, I ended up going with my girlfriend at the time because this was <gasps> before I had come out. Oh my god, we're gonna talk about our straight life. <laughs> 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 um, I went with my girlfriend at the time. She. Uh, I, I remember her dad drove us in some, it was like some antique Ford Mustang and like in theory oh, it sounded really cool, but we were just crammed in the back and then I had to like awkwardly be driven to the prom by my girlfriend's father. Okay. Um, that's not bad. It, yeah. I mean, it, it wasn't like the like limo that all your friends pitch in oh, to like well, rent. That let's wasn't, talk about the limo. That wasn't the life that I led. The only other memory I have from prom, though, is that... Um, well, you used to live in Amish... Well, well, yeah, you don't live there now. Yeah, but like you used to I, live I in Amish like, country. Like, so I, I was, was thinking like you were going to be in a dune buggy like no. going to prom. No, a dune buggy <laughs> is also different from an Amish buggy. Oh, but, <laughs> sorry. sorry. <laughs> Whoops. The other thing that I remember from prom is that um, one of the girls that I knew, because we went to elementary school together, we were always in the same class. Mm -hmm. um, she was like... I don't want to say one of the nerdier people. Wow. Because oh that's not God. really the best way to describe her. But no, she's just, she likes particular things. She and her twin um, <gasps> were like really into sci-fi and stuff. Did and you date twins? No, I did not date twins. Okay. These were just friends. Okay. Um, but they requested the time warp and then they were the only people dancing to it. Like the dance floor emptied and it was just them and another friend of theirs oh, no. dancing along to it. And now I'm like looking back. I would like, have danced. Like the time warp is probably going to be played at our wedding. Oh yeah. And, and like we are going to, everyone's going to gonna dance to it. So it's like, you're not so, going to leave us hanging. It's so strange to look back <laughs> and think that like everyone was almost being a little judgy of this dance that is like a classic. See, I went with my girlfriend at the time. Yes, we both had straight lives. Um, and it was, I, I honestly remember asking her and it was like a big thing. Like everybody was talking about it. It was like, oh my God, you have to ask, you have to ask her. And it was just like, okay, building up to this big thing and in the car, 
um we were making out and then i eventually asked her and she was like yeah and i was like oh my god perfect and i was part of the like my friends at the time were very much like anti-prom we they were like oh you know we're not gonna be about prom let's do our own thing but then like another friend of mine in that friend group ended up being asked and he was like sure so then i'm like okay this is cool so we're gonna break the pact a little bit and we're gonna go to prom and i think most of the friend group ended up going to prom and we did the you know usual because you know i was part of the band so like it was a big thing for all the band members to like come together at one house we took all the pictures in the front in the front uh Wow, I don't know what it's called. <laughs> the front, because I'm debating between lawn and yard. I mean, it's all the same. Front lard. Um, <laughs> <laughs> front lard is very different. <laughs> but, and I, I did find it cute because my parents came and they were taking pictures also. And it was like a, a fight to the death because all the parents were like, look here, look here, look here. And I'm mm-hmm. like, Jesus Christ. Now, I will say, um, it is very cringy to look back at the photos because I wore, I mean, I had to match the color of, of my girlfriend. As so uh, she wore a pink dress. So I wore like a pink tie. I think it was a pink tie um, and a black vest. But I wore a fedora. Oh. Yeah. I wore a fedora and nobody was wearing one. And I did. And I would, I looked back at it. I don't even think it was a fedora. It I was mean, like, it was like the Michael Jackson, uh, like smooth yeah, criminal hat. Is yeah. it a fedora? Uh, it, it basically is. But that was like back when everyone, like at least everyone I thought, it was thought so fedoras cool. were cool. I thought it was so cool. I was like, what am I thinking? It's no. okay. It's okay. It was early enough that it's acceptable. <laughs> I. Um, but I also I d- had to match the color of my girlfriend's okay. dress, but it was really difficult for me because her dress was being made for her by her aunt. So okay. I had to like take That's a cute. swatch of her, uh, of her cloth to the tux place so I could find something that matched. And I want to say, I want to say I... I don't know if I wore a tie. I probably did, but I can't remember the color of the tie. I yeah. went my my vest matched her dress, which was like a like deep purple Oh, you color. went full vest. Mhm. Okay. I don't think I went full vest. Yeah, no, I think I just wore a tie cuz I thought the hat was going to go a little crazy. Um and I did go with like my friends to go look for tuxes and it was a really fun experience. And we did get a limo and the limo took us to prom. Um what the <laughs> Did you do the after prom? No, our after prom was super lame because it was uh there was like an official after prom that was organized by the parents uh of like the seniors. So they would rent out like the local rec center. I did go I think my sophomore year to the after prom because the after prom was open for everybody. Okay. And they rented out the whole rec center. So like they had a pool, they had a bunch of things that you could do. I like ended up wandering around for a little bit. They had raffles that I didn't win anything at. Okay. But I did not <laughs> I did not go because our prom was um I think our prom was 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 it just seniors? It might have been juniors and seniors. I can't I can't you had remember. You had a prom with juniors it. and seniors? I think so. But okay. um but I only went my senior year and um, and then we didn't do, we didn't go to the after party because at that point, like the after party was lame. And so Damn. what we, <laughs> what we did actually is, is all my friends came back and hung out at my house because my parents had like a, uh, 
campfire seating area in our oh, backyard. Oh, that's nice. So, like, we all came out. And we you had, had a pretty big backyard that you yeah. could fit a few people. So, we had, uh, there were probably, I think, 10 of us that we all came over to my house. We uh, we had a campfire. We changed out of our tuxes and everything. We roasted marshmallows and we came back inside and like hung out. And then at two in the morning, even though we all still had junior licenses, we decided to drive to this 24-7 like 50s style diner that was uh, like 30 minutes away from my house. So we were taking risks yeah. going there. Oh my God. And uh, and then we like, we, we just went there. We had we had food at two in the morning. We went back to my house and then everyone crashed. Um, not in the cars. We like just passed oh out. My God. <laughs> <laughs> and we all just crashed in the middle of the highway. Like, oh, oh my God. <laughs> no, we all, we all passed out except for two friends who had gone, um, who had gone single to the prom, like not together. Okay. Ended up um, staying up all night talking Aww. and uh, later got married and <gasps> they're still together and they in have the a couple the kids same now. day. No, 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 oh. no, no. They uh, they started dating after that, and then a couple years after graduation, they got married, and they have a couple kids now. And so my after party was the start of a relationship. Well, this is really funny. So how my after prom? We went to oh my god, I don't know. It was like the Three Kings Club or something, and it was like specific. Because usually, you know, under 21, we can't get into clubs, but yeah. they have a certain night for prom and they get people in and obviously they're not going to serve alcohol, but like it's mainly for people who have, it's their prom night and they need to go to after prom, which is honestly a great way to get lots of money, yeah. you know, because everybody has prom and they need to go to a club and it was in Manhattan. So what we did was we bounced from the, from the prom, we took the limo back to my girlfriend's house and we then we I should probably say ex girlfriend because I, I don't imagine. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like we went back to her house and everybody was changing, right? So because they now had to get out of their like um, princess gowns and then go into their like yes, we're going out outfits. Mm -hmm. um, but I remember specifically that me and my me and my girlfriend we were like cuddling on the couch and we said i love you oh that's so i sweet. know i was like we did break up a month after that but like <laughs> but that was really nice it was really nice at that moment and then we took the limo we went into manhattan and we had a fun time and then my friend my other friend who went also um which is good because like a, a, a couple of my friend group people mm -hmm. were going da on dates with the other one so i was like oh i'm perfect i have someone to talk to not that I wasn't friends with any of them, but we then came back to, you know, not Manhattan. I don't want to give the coordinates of where I was, but my friend, my friend's parents were like making breakfast and stuff like that. So, I mean, we stayed up all night and, you know, we got to get together and this was like maybe a day before graduation. So then we had to get back, get back home, wash up, get dressed and then get ready for, for graduation, which was during the day, I want to say, it was super hot. Our graduation was in the evening, but we did have to um, we did have to come back like during the day to practice for graduation. But this was well after the prom because my prom was like a month. Yeah, you're, before graduation, you do things differently, which is fair. Other people do things differently. I did say here, I did put in the script for our episode. Did you get lucky that night? Now I feel that's inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, end of story. I, I did not. I did not. not For obvious I. reasons. <laughs> All right, guys. We're going to go ahead and take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to be talking about the loved ones a little bit more. And not about our prom lives. <laughs> we'll be right back. Welcome back, ghouls. It is now time for our... Segment. And this is the segment where we give you a few little tidbits, behind-the-scenes action, and just how this movie came to be. Absolutely. So, The Loved Ones. It was released on October 31st, 2009. Ooh, Halloween. Halloween. I think this was when it was released, like to the states and everything because this was released in australia and to like a few like festivals be like maybe like a month or so before okay uh the budget was four million dollars in uh and it ended up grossing three hundred fifty eight thousand three hundred ninety nine dollars it, it was a limited release like i i'm not gonna knock it for making that much money yeah i mean it is it is kind of unfortunate i this is this is like a fairly brutal film but it, it's 2009. Saw, I believe, was like coming out at That's this time. True. Paranormal Activity, I think, was coming out as time. No, maybe not. <laughs> but like those movies were kind of starting to get big, and I feel like if a big like I feel like if Blumhouse uh, was a, was bigger at that time, I feel like they would have picked this up and it would have yeah. made a good amount of money. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, I, I'm kind of surprised because I do remember we watched the trailer for this and it said like, like request oh, this at a theater near you, and it also said from the from the studio that brought you Paranormal Activity. Yeah, so they probably it, this probably was like released and then they saw it and they were like, oh, let's like distribute it. But mm -hmm. at the same time, maybe they needed to like do it as a like wide release and not just like maybe limited things, um, because I feel like it would have been good. Yeah, I think it would have done better with a wider release. Um, this was written and directed by Sean Byrne. I hope I am pronouncing that right because it's a Y in there. Um, but he is also known for doing The Devil's Candy, which is another horror movie that we want to cover. We're probably not going to cover it until next season. Okay. Um, but it is a movie on my list to watch. Have you heard of The Devil's Candy? I have not. I know it stars Ethan Embry, who plays the son in Grace and Frankie. The one, okay. I think, Coyote. Okay. Yeah, if you haven't seen Grace and Frankie, go watch it. It's really good. Mm -hmm. I'd like to imagine that it's just like the devil dressed in like a frilly little apron making candy, like some saltwater taffy or something. He's like, kitchen. hello, welcome to the devil's candy. Today we're making. <laughs> I, I will never not imagine the devil as him from Powerpuff Girls. Oh, I thought you were going to say like the guy from South Park, the devil in South Park. No, um, him imprinted on me much younger so that's what i picture as the devil in my head is he now. like the diva like he's like yes. oh, yeah, he's love the it. one with like the lobster claws oh and... yes 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 i love that maybe that should be a halloween costume we should make oh yeah <laughs> uh we can make our dog uh mojo jojo oh my god yes <laughs> that'd be so cute 
All right, let's get to the cast. All right, so uh, this is starring Xavier Samuel as Brent, Robin McLevy as Lola, John Brumpton as Eric, Richard Wilson as Jamie, Victoria Thane as Holly, Jessica McNamee as Mia, Andrew S. Gilbert as Paul, Susie Doherty as Carla, Victoria Eager as Judith, and Scott Pendlebury as Bright Eyes, and Fred Whitlock as Dan. Anybody that you've recognized from this movie that you were like, oh, they're in this movie. I don't think so. I don't think so either. I thought that Lola was the girl who plays Lola Robin McLevy. I thought she was familiar, but I don't remember. I saw her IMDb. I don't remember anything like at least for me that was like, oh, I think it's because like she does look a little bit like uh the girl who plays Katie, who is Katie from oh, yeah. Paranormal Activity. Mm-hmm. You know, she does remind me a little bit of her. Um, but also, I believe either Holly or Mia. Let me just double check. Jessica McNamee. Is that how you say it? McNamee? It's probably McNamee. McNamee. Yes, that is correct. So Jessica McNamee, uh, she was in Mortal Kombat. She played Sonya. Okay. Um, so I do remember her from that from that movie. Um, and she's also gorgeous. She also was in the Meg. She played. She was. Uh, she, yeah, she played. I think the ex wife or something that was trapped in the submarine. Oh, remember? She yes. had blonde hair. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I like how you do remember. We remember the Meg. <laughs> I mean, how do you forget a movie about a megalodon? Yeah, I was not going to be forgiving of that movie um, if they killed that puppers. Yeah. Um, as opposed to this movie. <laughs> <laughs> so, The Loved Ones. So, here's a few uh, tidbits for the movie. Um, the Loved Ones is the first feature film for short filmmaker Sean Byrne. Uh, so yeah, something to note, note about Sean Byrne is that he is mostly known for making short films. Okay. I'm glad you uh, qualified that and not just that he was a short filmmaker. Oh, my okay God. Too. Short Kings, <laughs> Rise. Uh, the ambiance. Entertainment production was completely shot in Melbourne, Victoria, including interior school scenes shot at Box Hill Senior Secondary College and Q High School. It was originally given an R18 plus rating, which is weird that I for- like I forget that other regions have different ratings. Yep. Um, I, for- I forget the other ones, but like, um, I mean, ours is just like, what is it? St- do we still have a G? Yes. We still have a G. Okay, it's so G, it's G, PG, PG-13 and R. And I think, I don't think NC-17, it used to be rated X, but now it's, I think it's like NC-17, no? Yeah, but NC-17s are usually not shown in theaters, um, so. Yeah, and just on Skinamax. No, I'm kidding. Um, so yeah, it was originally rated uh, R18 plus by the Australian Classification Board, but through an appeal by the review board, the film's rating was successfully mis- uh, misplaced, replaced by an MA. 15 plus rating due to the comedy aspect of the film mitigating both the sadistic aspect and the impact of the violence i love this they watched this movie and they were like this is this is r has to be adults and then they're like but it's funny too and they're like you know what (laughs) all right i do love that you can be like it it just takes one little aspect like how about you see this as a comedy this is a parody like just like they're like oh okay that makes sense and no one takes it like that Followed by Lola is partially based on Jeffrey Dahmer, and this can be seen in one of her torture methods, which is lobotomizing her victims by drilling a hole in their forehead. Instantly got that. 
the minute that she oh, started yeah. saying that, we were like, ooh, this is Je- definitely Jeffrey Dahmer. 100%. Even though she doesn't mention it. She just says, like, it works. So, like, for me, I thought, I was like, oh, okay, I guess she heard of Jeffrey Dahmer and was like, I want to do that. Well, especially since um, Jeffrey Dahmer, originally the first person that he tried to, like, turn into a zombie, um, he he tried to do that by pouring boiling water. <clears throat> I just can't brain. even imagine. Just listening to it, I'm just like... Yeah, no. I don't even know. Like, and people still are alive during it. Oh my god. Um, so yeah, pouring boiling water into it. The real Joffrey. Joffrey. Oh my god. Joffrey Dahmer. <laughs> it's a very different person. <laughs> Sorry, this isn't Game of Thrones. The real Jeffrey Dahmer also used a power drill to try and lobotomize his victims. He wanted to turn them into obedient zombies, and after drilling a hole into their heads, he poured acid into them. Nobody ever survived his lobotomies. That's not entirely true. No, they Um, did, like, they weren't, like, a long-term thing, though. They lasted, maybe. They did eventually die, but no one, like, that makes it sound like like he would, like, pour acid into their brains and would immediately die, which is No, but I think they're saying, like, nobody is still living because of it. Yeah, well, like. Every every person he did it to was still dead. Yeah, well, and, and that's what I think, like, this movie differs from that in that. It was successful. It was <laughs> successful, and they're just like kept in some vault under their house. Yeah, they kind of like reminded me of the creatures from the descent. Yes, I was just like, oh my god. <laughs> Lola Stone is an anagram for lost and alone. When this was mentioned to Sean in a premiere Q and A screening, he was as wowed and amazed as the audience were. He had no idea, and that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, it seems like she is lost and alone. And maybe for the best. Do you think she could be changed? <laughs> no. Do you think she had a chance? No. Yeah, especially because like it seems like there was a long history of this happening. Oh yeah, it, it seemed like she was. She was. I mean, separate from the fact that her father egged her on, she was uh, very sadistic from a young age. Yeah. Do you want to read this one? Yeah, so the Texas Chainsaw Massacre in 1974, Carrie in 1976, Misery from 1990, and Audition from 1999 all served as inspiration for the film. Lola's pink dress in particular is an homage to Carrie's pink prom dress. I like it. It it definitely gave me Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And I mean, no, honestly, all these movies with the, the statistic action of Audition, which we covered on this podcast before, so mm-hmm. go over there and listen to that episode. It was really good. And we were joined by Two Chicks and a Horror Flick. Um, we haven't covered Misery yet, but I do see the Misery aspect of like kidnapping them for a certain reason or holding them hostage. Okay. Um, Carrie, prom, pink dress, and Texas Chainsaw Massacre, yeah. Mm-hmm. It, like very out there in like the looking desert, but not really. Being tied into a <laughs> chair and, and very uncomfortable Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <gasps> yes. In an interview with writer-director Sean Byrne, film critic Chase Whale called Antagonist Lola, Princess, one of the greatest villains in horror history. What do you think about that? Uh, (laughs) I don't want to be shady to the movie um, because I don't think it deserves it. Uh, I don't know that I would call her one of the greatest villains in horror history, but I would say that she's up there in terms of just like the character study of this girl who uh, you know at first you think might just might not be fully in on the game until you find out that she's she might be the source of it all yeah i i have to agree with you on that no the thing is like i don't 
think she's not the greatest villains in horror history, but I think she definitely is up there, like you said. You know, I one thing that stood out for me was like the girl who's who's uh portraying this character is really good oh, like yeah. she is selling me on it she is like one she's getting all the emotions from me one i mean she is like kind of like at points charming and funny and but at the same time it's like you want her to die you like yeah. no she's <laughs> yeah. so fucking annoying but at the same time she is entertaining so I feel like if they really gave us like a few more sequels or even extended the run of this movie, we I could have like definitely put her more up there uh, with other other villains. But it's I feel like this movie is a little bit um, underrated. Yeah, you I know? mean that that I think is is a better way of saying what I was trying to say. That like it's like the most I, underrated greatest villains. Yeah, because I think I mean part of it. If if I was going to make a, a list, a ranking, part of it would include it, just their prevalence also in in the zeitgeist of culture yeah. today. And I don't know if it's partially the fact that this is really a foreign film and that it had a limited release here. Yeah. I, I just I don't know that she really broke through in the same way that Freddie and Jason and Michael Myers that like but I even me yeah. never having watched any of those movies knew who they were. I I just don't I don't know that she's on that same <clears throat> I don't level. think she was given the chance, though. Like, I feel like if they had a sequel or other movies, uh, as I said before, get, or maybe expanded this movie a little bit more to give us more of her, yeah. I feel like she would have definitely made a impact and people would remember her. Obviously, people in the horror community do know Lola Stone from The Loved Ones. And uh, the, the, the poster for this movie is, is kind of, like, embedded in my mind because I've always seen it, her in the pink dress with the pink crown, is kind of iconic with the um what's it called the drill the drill like that that's iconic like i feel like that could have been really like it could have been a stamp in pop culture more um but i do agree i think she gives us a lot of good villainry we have a female led villain who mm -hmm. she's like calling the shots which i really love I mean, obviously, she's really fucked up, but like, I think compared to like other movies where you know it's kind of like the man is going crazy and he's like running the show, I like that we have a female-led one. Yeah. Most of the blurbs describing the film, including the theatrical release poster, refer to Lola wanting Brent to be her prom date. In Australia, where the film was made, the end-of-year dance for the final year of high school is not referred to as a prom, but simply the formal or school formal, because it's the only school dance where you're required to attend in formal attire. Interestingly enough, even the Australian DVD slash Blu-ray release refers to Brent becoming the prom king of Lola's twisted fantasy, when Australian formals don't have any equivalent to the American prom king or queen, even though it does refer to a school formal dance. That's fair. Mm -hmm. I mean, you even mentioned this before. I, I don't even know. So they refer to it in the movie as prom king or... It's like Not, on the DVD, like I think it, description. I, th it says I like, think it may have just been like part of the marketing materials around the release. Oh, okay. Okay. So yeah. So in the movie, they don't refer anything prom. -like. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's fair. I mean, that's something good to note um, about that. <laughs> you know, Lola asks Brent if the fried chicken is finger licking good as she's trying to force feed him a chicken leg. This is the slogan for the fast food restaurant Kentucky Fried Chicken, or KFC for short. Despite that, the chicken they're actually eating in the dinner scene is off-brand chicken and not actual KFC. 
So it was not. Interesting. I mean, it didn't look like KFC. It was not. <laughs> like, you know, to, to, the, to the train die. It is not Kentucky Fried. <laughs> well, at least, at least, I mean, I don't, I don't know how I should take you saying that I have a train die for fried chicken, but that's fine. Listen, I have nothing against fried chicken. I love it. Are you kidding me? Though I am more leaning to Popeyes lately when going to to our to our fried chicken. I mean, honestly, it's just because the KFC near us isn't isn't good. I've had much better KFC. Well, because they always forget our order. Anyways, we're not talking <laughs> about this right now. Um, in March 2013, at Chester Crown Court, Judge Elgin Edwards described a sadistic torture murder as a reenactment of a scene from this film. Yes, we're going into true crime territory. Interesting. During sentencing, Judge Evans described the defendant, Gary George, as particularly liking the loved ones. The victim, Andrew Nall, was brutally beaten, sustained 49 knife wounds, and had cleaning fluid found in his eyes. George was sentenced to life imprisonment with a minimum term of 30 years. Holy shit. Yeah, this, uh, this guy is kind of like the worst of... The community it's kind of like I, I feel like this is a person who just like doesn't know the difference between liking a horror movie and kind of going overboard on that i mean it's you know? almost like it's almost like the slender man murders like that same it's thing. it's like the slender man mur- murders there was also like a murder wh- wh- regarding like a, a teenager who watched rob zombies halloween i think and wanted to reenact that with his like mother in in the house and you know he was also you know arrested but I think this is this is like the bad side of some sort of things where like you take things to another level as to like some of the people in the horror community, which we just love the movie for what it does. And I hate that because like for me, I love gory films. I love seeing we've heard it on the podcast before being like, I love seeing kills and I hate when we have cutaway kills. Uh, sometimes it's effective, but like then we get this guy who kind of ruins it for everybody. Yeah. You know, <laughs> Um but it's very interesting. I looked it up. I saw articles for it, and it's it's completely true. Uh, you guys can look it up. I wonder if maybe other true crime people have covered this case. He had cleaning fluid found in his eyes. I wonder what that means. Like, or I, why did he want to do that? I wonder if that means that like they they put, put cleaning fluid like onto the eyeballs or like actually injected Jesus. it in. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not. It's not similar to what the loved ones did, but um, yeah, don't do this, guys. Mm-mm. Be safe out there. Anyways, on that note, we are going to go ahead and take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to be talking about meats and potatoes. So stay tuned. Welcome back, ghouls. It is now time to go into our segment. And this is the segment where we actually go into the movie itself. That is correct. So, guys, buckle up. The film begins with Brent driving with his father along an old country road. Brent turns his attention away from the windshield for a split second, and when he turns back, sees a bloodied man in the middle of the road. Now, this is like way, you know, this again, this is first time reaction for both of us. Mm-hmm. Um, we only seen this movie once, but like the first time seeing this, we don't know 
what relevance this guy has, like the guy in the road has to the rest of the movie, right? We just think, see a bloodied man in the middle of the road, and it's like kind of like a, it's kind of a jump scare, but it's it's really effective because you also kind of forget about him for the yeah. rest of the movie. At some point, I think right after when we realized that his father didn't make it in the car crash, um, I did ask like, oh, I wonder what happened to that guy? Like, where is he? And we do find out later in the movie. Um, but I, this was like a really like sweet moment. Yeah. You, know, you get to see like they have a, a, a good father son relationship. I forget. Was he just like teaching him how to drive? Like he was, he was taking him out or was it like he just got his license and now he's like going, there has to be, there I was think- something about him driving. For the first, either first time or it was that he just got his license. I think he had just gotten his license and this was like the first time that he was like just driving his dad around. Yeah. Um, I forget what happened. Like what was distracting them? They were just, I think, oh, they were listening to music, right? Yeah. They were listening to music in, in the in the car and then they weren't paying attention. He wasn't paying attention and he swerves and they end up hitting a tree. Mm-hmm. So swerving to avoid hitting the man, Brent's vehicle collides with the tree, injuring him, but killing his father. And then it kind of turns to black and mm-hmm. we fade in. Six months later, Brent is planning to attend an end of the year high school dance with his girlfriend, Holly. Before he leaves the school, a girl named Lola Stone asks him out, to which Brent refuses. We also well, have like... The- he doesn't refuse. He's just like, it's not that she wouldn't. He's, he already has a girlfriend. Yeah. You know, he already is going with Holly, which I mean, Lola, do your research. <laughs> I don't. I don't know that Lola really cares, <laughs> to be honest. Because uh, she already, ha- I think, regardless of what he said, she was going to kidnap him and do this thing to her. I, it's, I don't think that. Oh, like- so you think it was premeditated? You <laughs> thought, like, I, for me, I thought it was like, oh, he said no to me. Oh, he likes another girl. So I guess I'm not the only girl. I'm going to get back at him by doing this. No. Uh, that's what it was giving me. I, I took it as she had picked him out as a victim and oh. no matter no matter what happened, this was gonna happen to him. But like seeing him with this other girl made her even more angry and it was like part of that like like you're feeding the rage inside yourself. Yeah. That's how I took it. You know it. what? That kind of does make sense because I feel like She's had a bunch of guys that she's done this to. Mm-hmm. So it's not like she kind of on the whim was like, That's it. We're doing it. We're doing it today. And because he said no, because uh, because at the same time, I guess she could have asked somebody else. And then if they said no first before she got to Brent, uh, maybe that guy would have been it. Well, and and I could I could be really wrong about this, because if I remember from the movie, there is a point where like she has she has like her little scrapbook and she does draw the little heart around his face and mm-hmm. color in the, the dot on his forehead that we later find out means that he's going to He's gonna yeah, get drilled uh, in the worst way possible. Yeah, and... not in a fun way, guys. We're not talking about good drilling. <laughs> but <laughs> but I think that she had already picked him as the next victim by going and asking him to the dance because I don't think if he had been like, oh yeah, I'll go with you, that he would have gotten away. Yeah. Okay. So we also get the introduction of his best friend, which is Jamie, or at least I think it's his best friend. And you know they're talking about the prom right before Lola asks him, um, and I. Th- think he wanted to go with um this girl named mia mia mm-hmm. right does he ask her out in that moment i believe they do yeah, yeah because they see mia walk past and then jamie like jamie and brent exchange a look and then brent's like 
dude, go, go ask her. Yeah. And then he does, and he like does a little like fist bump at the <laughs> because he like she said yes, which is very like teenage comedy, like or definitely like the precursor to what's about to happen in horror movies. We get this sweet little moment between everybody. Um, I will say my overall criticism of this movie is that I feel actually maybe it's not a criticism. I think it's just more just stating something is that. One, I do like that the movie splits time between Jamie and Mia and also um, Brent and Lola and all that stuff that's happening down the line. I I do like it because it kind of gives you a breath of fresh air in between of all the chaos that's happening. Well, and I think it's fully intentional, too, because with the Jamie and Mia, I mean, Jamie is kind of just there as a character, but Mia's brother was has gone missing and she doesn't know where he is. And that clearly has affected her a lot. But we don't know that, though. We don't know that. What do you mean? We don't know that that Mia has a brother that's missing. Well, we don't know at this point. but No, we-, we don't know at this point. But it ends up being that Mia is acting a certain way because Mia is very, I mean, she's giving me goth vibes, um, but she is also just very disconnected. Her parents are kind of disconnected and um, like she just is kind of harder to to kind of get to know. Yeah, well, she's you know? clearly she has, dealing, she put up a wall. She's clearly dealing with some trauma and not in a perfectly healthy way yeah. either. Yeah, and we and don't we don't know that for sure, but she needed this like night out with Jamie and they have a good time at the prom even though they get high and maybe she gets a little too high. Well, but like and, even even like her mom is like this will be good for you. You can go to the prom and yeah. have a good like you can tell that like her parents want uh, can tell that like she's taking something really hard and we don't know what it is at that point. Yeah. But but it's uh, giving me like two different movies, which for me it works. But I kind of wish they m- blended the storylines a little bit more. But I don't, I don't know that they needed to because what, what in my mind they are showing you is they're showing you the person going through the trauma now, while they're also showing you a story of another person, another family that's already been affected by yeah. the actions of Lola and her father. And guys, if you have not seen the movie, I would suggest going to see the movie. This goes with any movie that we cover. Mm-hmm. But if you haven't, what we're explaining is that pretty much at this point, once he uh, Brent gets asked by Lola, he says no. He goes off his separate ways, and we have a story between Holly, uh, Brent's mom, Brent, and Lola, and then their family. And then a separate story between Jamie and Mia, where Jamie is going to pick up Mia for the prom. They have this little cute, like they, they they get to know each other. He gets they get they both get high and they get in trouble at the prom. Mm-hmm. Um, just in case if we don't end up talking about it more down the line, because a lot of the juicy moments are happening with Lola and Brent, and we obviously know that's kind of the main point of the story. Yeah, but they kind of happen at separate times, and we kind of go back and forth between them. And for me, I just wish at the end that it would have just like maybe connected. He ended up finding out like, oh, my God, what happened? Or, you know, um, but I do like that they want us to get connected to those characters, because then by the end where we find out who Mia is related to, it kind of is more it's kind of worth it. You know, it's kind of like that little twist is like, oh, okay," which we kind of called makes sense. We kind of called more towards the end. Mm hmm. So ever since the car accident, Brent has not driven a vehicle and his girlfriend, Holly, takes him off somewhere to make out, which we see is being viewed by Lola. We also get a very extended, like, 
they're having sex, right? Uh, I think they do end up having sex. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Again, we've only seen this movie once, guys. So it's it's not being like, is that how sex happens? Like, <laughs> like I legit, I I think I remember them like taking their clothes off, but like I remember it being pretty long. They were just like really getting into it, and then we see creepy Lola right outside the car, being like, <sighs> no, we don't hear her breathing, but. But we can, you can see her like just seething and watching. How do you not his girlfriend make out? How do you not just feel a presence there? I would like if I, I mean, if I was having sex in the car, which I have many times, no, (laughs) (laughs) but I would be looking around a lot, right? Like, I don't know where they are in proximity to everything else because, from my understanding, they're still in the parking lot, right? Well, I think they drove off somewhere, but it is kind of interesting. But Lola because, was there. Yeah, well, Lola may have followed them. Oh, true. But I, um, I think it's really interesting though because like Holly's driving him around, and then at some point she like after they park, she's like, "Oh, by the way, I just got my license." Like, as if <laughs> <laughs> it's normal for her to be driving him around before she got her license. I just thought it was it was kind of a funny way to do it. But something else that they show in the scene. Um, as she's as Holly's starting to take off Brent's clothes, is is she sees that he's um, oh self-harming. yeah yeah and at at first I honestly thought it was due to the car accident, but it does seem that way that he's self harming. Well, because he also wears a razor blade around his neck, yeah. which was making me really nervous while they were making out. I'm like, you're gonna you're gonna like cut somebody's nipple off with that thing. <laughs> yeah. Just like Watch hanging the nip. out there. Watch the nip. Razor blades are really sharp. Well, yeah, that's the point. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. The point. You know, point. It's not pointy, but stop you being know. so edgy. Oh, <gasps> thank. You. I love it. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, so after being taken back to his place before the dance, Brett's mother recommends he take a taxi to the dance leading him to rush off with the family dog to a nearby cliffside. Um, yeah, I think so. Holly is driving him, but his mom doesn't feel comfortable with that. Well, because also... Just being in a car like, in general. But like... Oh, because like she just got her license. And, and, and his, I think his mom, understandably so, is concerned about him being in a car driven by somebody who just got their license because of what happened, the yeah. accident where he, and it really wasn't his fault, but because he was so young uh, of a driver. She's just very just cautious. License. Yeah, I think she's just, she's, the mom is like really just trying to look out for her son. I have to say, there's never, there, there's never really a point in this movie where I feel like she's being unreasonable. I think it's all, her reactions make sense to what's happening. Yeah, I think both of their reactions, like both the son and the mom are rightly right or justified in their reactions and their feelings they're both going through one i mean brent specifically i think is going through the most he blames himself he was in the car accident he he lost his father you know she lost her husband and just like now that relationship is strained yeah because the whole it's not that long right we said six months like six months it's still fresh yeah and the whole reason that he ends up running off is because in this fight, he takes that as, well, why don't you want her to drive? Is it because she's, you know, she she just got her license? It's because you blame me for dad's death. And she's yeah. trying to say, like, no, that's not what I mean. I will uh, say the performances in this movie are, are good. Yeah. They're good. None of it feels forced. None of it feels fake. And especially with a premise like this, when you're starting off the bat, it can be a little hard. 
Um, which is why I like the fact that we have a separate plot line with Jamie and Mia, because it kind of gives us a little fresh, fresh breath air, breath of fresh air, <laughs> and you know some comedic moments, you know, where it's like lighthearted. Um, and also, she takes the family dog, which is a freaking cute dog, mm-hmm. and you know th- what happened. I looked it up, guys. Does the dog die.com it comes in handy if you in case you do not like animal cruelty, which I, actually, I don't know. Those was like, yeah, animal, <laughs> animal cruelty. But like, if you rather just find out ahead of time, I looked it up and it is there. And they, they, they off the bat, whoever commented was like, yeah, they die. And I was like, okay, yeah, now I know well, to prepare. Well, and like, cause you get, uh, not that I don't get affected by seeing animals get hurt, but you get, you, you just get have a, a more thicker more, skin for it. You get a lot more affected than, than I do by it. And so we usually look that up before we watch any movie, but I made you look it back up to say, what is the timestamp? So yeah, we can yeah. keep an eye on it and at least like, skip you're going to, you're going to have to talk about it a little bit more. Cause I didn't get a chance to see what happened, but um, I mean, it is a point in the movie that like this happens to the dog. Yeah. It's not like a quick, like we can just skip it. It does. There is a reason for that happening because I think it leads the pair, the the mom and Holly to figure out something's wrong. Yeah. Um, so basically what happens is they get into the argument and then he runs off into the woods to go smoke weed and listen to music. Which is not a bad idea. Honestly, I think that's a fun little thing. But he kind of does a, does a kind of extra thing by yeah, like rock climbing. His, his dog just walks up the hill. But yeah. he like has to like climb up this sheer rock face because it's just like with the self-harming. He like... He's trying to almost like Risk put himself at the edge in of the danger because he I, I mean, he's dealing with survivor's guilt, right? He yeah. doesn't really understand why he's there and his father isn't. So he is uh, he, he basically just isn't thinking about protecting himself at the point. He's just like, you know, if I fall and die, like, who cares? But it's funny because the movie then shows you that even that isn't really how he feels because when his hands slip, he looks genuinely scared. He's yeah. like, oh shit, I don't actually want to die. And then he regains his uh, his hold and he makes it up to the top where then he starts yeah. smoking. Which is really, it's it's interesting to see because he kind of chooses life over yeah. death. So mm-hmm. it's like, okay, so you know that he's still wanting to be alive and to move forward and he just has to get over this little hump that he is experiencing. Um, so yeah, like, I mean, I'm I'm hoping that there was like an easier way to get up this hill. I know that there's some. I think he did it mostly because of the view, mm-hmm. right? He likes the view. He likes to sit there. It may have been something that his him and his father used to like just Maybe. go. Um, you know, something we can speculate on. But um, I know a lot of places like I remember that that hill, that kind of like hike that we that mm-hmm. I wanted to show you, but we never got to because it was so hard. Yes, because it is so steep. To go, you're pretty much climbing, um, but it has a wonderful view. So I don't completely blame Brent for for trying to go up there in order to see the view. I just hope that there was an easier way. Um, we see that Brent is using drugs, uh, which is what weed, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's smoking. Yeah, weed. as well as having self mutilated himself with a razor blade he keeps on a necklace, which we just discussed. Mm-hmm. Now, while listening to music, Brent is attacked from behind, and his dog is stabbed. Do we see this? No, we don't. So- okay, okay. Uh, no, we. I I remember seeing that the dog was barking at somebody off screen. Yep, and but he couldn't hear because he was listening to music. So the yeah. dog is barking, and then all of a sudden he gets grabbed, and then it cuts to black. So 
You okay, don't good. see anything happen. See, guys, the thing with me, I do love that earlier in this episode, I'm like, I love kills and gore, but I'm like, not the doggos. I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I have to say I am that way. I get very deeply affected by that. And I think it's mostly just because it replays in my mind once I see it for some reason. It yeah. just keeps replaying. Um, but I'm glad I, I I'm glad that didn't show much. Um so the yeah, the dog is stabbed. The dog manages to make it back to Brent's mother's place. Um, which I mean, honestly, hero of the day for, mm-hmm. for this for this movie, the dog managed to crawl itself back in order back home. Back home all the way while bleeding out mm-hmm. to like save save his owner, which I think th- during the movie I was like on the edge of tears. I was like, baby, he's like a superhero. He's trying to save his owner. <laughs> yeah, but he he was a he was a good boy. And um also probably a great trained dog, like to like oh yeah. act this out. <laughs> but so then um Holly had already shown up to the house at that point to pick him up and they didn't know where he was. And after it was already dark, that's when the dog made it back and they saw the dog and they just immediately knew something was wrong. Yeah. So, um, so Brent's mom started calling the police while Holly tried to take the dog to the vet. And while she was driving to the vet, unfortunately, the dog passed away while she was oh, still driving. Little poppers. You know what? Good dog. He he saved his owner by even doing that. So honorary medal of gold. Um, but during this time is where we also go back to like where Jamie's picking up Mia. They like take a photo together and they end up going. And I think like Mia is like, oh, you have weed. I want some. And this is where we find out that Mia's dad is a cop. Yes. Um, so an impromptu investigation is put in place when and Brett's broken music player is found, but no trace of what has happened to him. Does does the father of Mia go to yes, that place? Yes, he's the one who does the investigation. So, yeah. Because um, she calls him. I got the sense that this was a small town that may, they may not have like a full police force, that it's like him and a couple other people. Yeah. But- well, especially because it's like so soon. And I, I'm kind of gathering that this has happened before because when they call him, the detective is like, I'm sure he'll like turn up or something like that. But I think it's because of the dog coming back stabbed, yeah. is because why she was alarmed. And, but. I want to say this has happened before because he's probably snuck off to this place and she keeps on calling well, like yeah, he's missing. Like, What's wrong with him? Well, cuz like the mom knows where he goes. Yeah. I, I like cuz she she went right there. She she left to uh go see if they could find anything else while Holly took the dog to the vet. So, you know, the mom the mom's aware of what's happening. But yeah, the cop picked up and he was like, Well, you know, he like he's ran away before. I'm sure he'll turn it up. And then the, they got alarmed when they realized that that the dog had been stabbed, which yeah. uh obviously Brent would not have done. Brent then wakes up bound to a chair, finding himself at Lola's house, sitting at a table with Lola, her father and a lobotomized woman they call Bright Eyes. Now, before this, um, we do get a scene where Lola is like, we have this like very two th- early 2000s song that replays that is probably like Lola's favorite song. Um, I forgot how it goes, but it's she like, it's kind of like, oh, it's like, am I not pretty enough? enough? Yeah. Oh my God, I can't believe you remembered it. Am I not pretty Burnt enough? 
such an early to that i can hear hillary duff singing this song but yeah so she's there and then he comes into the 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 father comes into the her room and gives her a box and it's the pink dress Mm -hmm. and she's like but we do have a very very uncomfortable moment and it's not the first one uh from here on out a comfortable moment where she's like undressing and putting on the dress and her father's just there just like in awe uh, just looking at his daughter which i'm like this is so awe. well and we get that it's not just like him either because well later on he gives her the dress she's like oh this is so pretty and then he says you should you should try it on and then she says okay but tell me how i look in it and then he was about to leave and she says no 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 stay while she changes and this was the first point where we're like this is not this is very uncomfortable (laughs) yeah this is not an okay household i mean and this is right before everything goes k-wire and i think at this point they already have brent yes they do already have brent yeah uh, and this is where we see that Lola's father has turned uh, the house into the school dance of Lola's dreams. And Brent is going to be her date. Whether he likes it or not. Um, yeah. I mean, this this whole room, I could see this into a haunted house, too. Like, going through the, the maze and seeing, like, the room where everything is taking place. Mm-hmm. That, that could be scary. Lola then takes a syringe and fills it with bleach before injecting it into Brent's voice box, making him unable to scream or talk. I will say, I thought that I didn't know that it was bleach. Maybe because I didn't, I didn't have my, my glasses. Oh, okay. Because I thought it was like some sort of specific serum that like oh, makes yeah. him unable to speak. Yeah, I thought it was I thought it was gonna be like and anesthetic or something that was going to like make it impossible for him to move or speak or anything. Yeah. They're really like off the bat being like, no, you're going to be incapable of getting out or doing anything. She then begins torturing Brent by forcing him to suck on her finger and threatening to nail his penis to the chair when he can't urinate. So a lot of things are happening here. One, they're sitting by the table. I think they're about to like, um, they're they're about to eat dinner, and it seems like her 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 lobotomized woman, which I thought it was like a family member, but I, it's I, not. I no, I took it as her mom. You think so? Yeah, that's so crazy. I mean, I guess I I kind of want to say that she is the first one. Yeah, that they well, ever done. Well, because I I I have a feeling because there's this really. Uh, there's this really weird dynamic between her and her dad. Yeah. I have a feeling like it would just be purely within her character to have basically incapacitated her mom yeah, and forced her to watch her and her dad have this thing with each other. Very, very weird. Um, so, yeah, they start. This is where the chicken comes in. They start talking about chicken, how good it is and how maybe they wanted to feed Brent and that's where the lines are like oh this is finger looking good um and he she kind of like just smears it on his face yep. and at first he doesn't eat but then later on she forces him to suck on her finger which also just like makes the whole room I do like these little small things that they're doing because they're making the viewers uncomfortable yep. you know because I was uncomfortable they did a very and, good job <laughs> and she was like uh, you know, threatening him to do whatever, and I think her father has a hammer yep. with him at the at the table just in case, and she knows what he's gonna do if Brent doesn't comply. So he does end up uh, sucking on her finger, but then 
I forget. Does he say that he needs to pee? Yeah, well, and I think it was uh, he was going to basically attempt to, like, get out of his restraints while he was peeing. But then she basically just grabs a glass and is like, okay, pee into this to, like, call his bluff. Yeah. And that's when she said, if you don't pee in 10 seconds, uh, I'm going to nail your penis to the chair. And this was, like, again, so... I think it's also just because it's so uncomfortable and inappropriate you know like it's it's definitely crossing boundaries when she goes down to her knees and like opens up his pants and takes out his like penis and it's Mm -hmm. like you don't see anything but you kind of just like in your mind envision what's happening and he has to force himself to pee and he eventually does pee into the cup um and i think does she drink milk does she like down milk I think so. I think milk was in the cup and she drank the whole thing. Yep. And then she was like, use this to pee. You're not going anywhere. And so he finally does pee. When she makes a threatening comment about Holly, Brent kicks Lola. And this is my first sign of like, fuck yeah. Like at this point, you're really degrading this man and I feel awful. And I think you need to be like kicked. (laughs) And manages to escape from his confinement. Lola's father chases Brent outside and up a tree where he and Lola hurl rocks at Brent, knocking him down. And at this point, I started to get really confused (laughs) because I'm like, I don't understand why she's doing this to him. If it's something like she just wants him to be with her, like, why would you torture him like that? And like, I I, I guess that's like part of the fun for her. I don't think it's about him being into. Um, I don't know, because I think at some point she does like have to assure that he likes her right like she needs to feel that connection but it doesn't end up happening so she was like okay i'm just going to turn you into one of the zombies that i that i've created mm-hmm. um so but i we, don't think i don't think it has to do with him and her trying to like be together yeah but even at this point like we don't know ultimately what she's going to do right now all all that he was was he was tied to the chair and uh and and then they have this really uncomfortable dinner, and and then he like starts to try to get away. And I was really rooting for him. I was like, "Come on!" Could, oh yeah, but it was have, so soon. It was so soon in the movie that I was like, "No, I mean, yeah. this is not going to work perfectly." So I he was he was run down by not run down, but he was chased by the car that uh, the dad was in, and he climbs up a tree. Which how he managed to get enough energy to do that, I don't know. But. Um, he goes up the tree and they start throwing rocks at him. And I was like, he, it did, it does work. Like they do knock him down and then he's just plops down. But I didn't know, like, why couldn't he judge? Yeah. I I, I like how my my explanation is just like, why didn't you just do better? Well, but, but what I took it as is he was dodging, but as he was trying to dodge these rocks, he lost, he lost. his footing and okay. he and he fell down. Okay. But there was also another point, just going back to this relationship between her and her father, where she said, "Who is prettier, me or bright eyes?" to her father. Oh, and that was yeah. another another thing that made me that clued me into like I think this is her mom, and she's trying to make him choose her over her mom which clearly has already been done. Uh, for a good amount of time i thought it was just like a random woman that they were like keeping around but i guess it does make more sense that it's her mom actually so the two bring brent back inside and affix his feet to the floor with knives this is another one of those like you don't see it like 
it's it's kind of cut away. You just hear, you see the knife, and you see that it sticks to his foot, and it's kind of like borderline crucifixion that they're doing here. Yeah. Um. But and how he manages to still do things later on in the movie is beyond me. Pure I, adrenaline. Like, <laughs> that's I, what that's it what is. I think. Like he still manages to walk around with like. I think they they nail both of his feet, right? Yep. They stab both of his feet to the ground. Yep. Um. So yeah, Lola then reveals via scrapbook that he has been abducting, that she has been abducting many boys throughout her life, including the bloody man Brent saw, which made him swerve and kill his father, which this also probably adds to the adrenaline that he's having. He probably is super fucking angry that this is the girl. I mean, it's not the guy's fault, but it's also, it's her fault that this man was in the middle of the road to begin with, you know? Um just like her previous victims, Lola uses a fork and cars on Brent's chest, a heart, and her initials. I do have to give it up to this movie because the sound design in this movie is really, really good. Um, you don't see it, but you can hear it and you can like feel how um, yeah. torturous it was, this is. It was is. so cringy. We were nearing the part where like I couldn't watch anymore because of the torture. Well, were you like – because you – you weren't reacting as much as like let's say um because we've seen gorier movies we have um we've seen saw and you were very like reactive to that one where you did not like it didn't but you also saw haunt and you were like oh fuck no but this one was different and i want to pick your brain it didn't so much make you watch it because i like i can't watch the things happening this like made you feel it and and it was very what's the word that I'm looking for? It, it just like, it kind of was cringy. It, it was it not was, like in a bad, not in a way where it's like embarrassing, humiliating thing. It's kind of like more like it made you, it made you look away for a little bit or like, yeah, well, you know, well, and like those <laughs> other movies and like, let's like think to, back to terrifier that we watched for the YouTube oh, channel. Yeah. Like, it made you watch stuff that I just turned away and I couldn't do it. This implied it more than it, sh- and it showed you some stuff for sure. It but, showed you the after, but a lot of it was the was the implication of what was happening because you're you're seeing it not so much like through watching the tines of the fork scrape the heart into his skin, but you see her doing stuff. You see, and you see him reacting to it, and the pain that he's in. Yeah, that like. I, that's that's the stuff that like really gets me. Yeah. Um, but it's uh, like it, because it's not like immediate gore in your face. It wasn't something that I like had to necessarily look away from. Yeah. Um. But yeah, th- it. This this was when I was really trying to be like, all right, I I'm really hoping we get to watch her die in this movie. Oh yeah, you're starting because she's getting away with everything. Mm-hmm. And honestly, it is pretty realistic that he couldn't do much. There were many points where, like, wow, we're really going to see this guy die. Yeah. And and it just, in your body, and just like you said, like, yeah, you want this girl to die now. Like, you're like, no, it's fucking over. There's movies where you're like, okay, we get justification pretty easily. But this one, it was kind of like we were being tortured as he was. And it's like, no, we need it to happen now. And this is all where also, you know, we, we do have the side, the side story with Mia and Jamie that's yeah. starting to add some more context to this too, because we find out that she had this other guy six months ago who got away that basically because he got away, they were going to make sure that this guy didn't get away. And, yeah. 
And then at that same point, we're seeing Jamie and Mia smoking weed in the car. Mm -hmm. And Mia starts to break down a little bit and explains that, like, things have been really hard since her brother went missing six months ago. And that's when you put things together because of – and I think the the police officer, her dad, at some point said something to that effect – earlier on in the movie that didn't really mean anything at the time, but just that like they, you saw like a picture of, uh, of them with, with Mia's older brother, but we didn't know who Mia's older brother was just that he wasn't around anymore. So, so this is where you start to put together like, Oh, this dude that they swerved around six months ago was Mia's older brother who was the last victim that they never found him. And that that's haunted not only Mia, but also mm-hmm. her dad, who's the cop who feels like he failed in finding his son. So like that's, that also explains why like he is uh, even more willing to get up in the middle of the night to go out and like try to find something mm-hmm. and help bring Brent home. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, and I, I do want to state this now before going on because I have it in my mind. I feel like this is a good way to portray a true crime story without being too realistic. So like, so I feel like if you were to make a head on, and I do think they are making a Jeffrey Dahmer movie or TV show. Um, but if you were to make a Jeffrey Dahmer movie portraying what happened, one it probably could come off as it's insensitive because yep. it is a real story. These are real people's lives that really happened. But something as this movie where it's kind of like implying that it was like Jeffrey Dahmer. It was inspired by Jeffrey Dahmer. Uh, she did the same things that Jeffrey Dahmer did, but you told it in with different characters, a different plot. Um, it's kind of a it's kind of a good medium as to how you can Betray that story, but not be the same exact thing. Yeah. Because it, at the same time, it's like, I also was making the connection of like, wow, this is probably what was happening with Jeffrey Dahmer and those those victims that he was having. Um, but again, we'll see. I think um, what's his face is not Chris Evans. Evan Peters, I think, is, is playing Jeffrey Dahmer oh, okay. in that TV show. But hopefully it's not insensitive <laughs> as as it's as i think it's gonna be um so yeah lola uses a fork and carves on brent's chest a heart and her initials before throw, throwing copious amounts of salt on exposed wounds and he freaks out it probably fucking stings oh yeah um i'm only imagining like what's worse salt on your exposed wounds of like all over your chest or alcohol or like rubbing alcohol on it uh, I Probably think, the rubbing alcohol. I think both are equally worse. But, oh, okay. But there's a reason that, you know, throwing salt on your wounds is a phrase to mean, like, you're just adding insult to injury, just making things oh, worse. Oh, fuck, man. So after being crowned queen of her dance, Lola admits to Brent that she is looking for a prince, which isn't Brent, declaring that he is just another frog, which I guess they're, she's trying to, like, doing, like, the, you know, dissecting frogs. Project. Oh, I took it as like a Princess and the Frog reference. Oh, but that, I, that, that doesn't makes really more make sense. It, but it also doesn't make a ton of sense because well, the because the frog, the frog isn't a prince. The frog is a prince, and he and like you just have to kiss him. But I think that she didn't she like kiss him, and then he's and then because he didn't like turn into her prince, she, she's like, oh, you're just another frog. Yeah. However, Lola confides in her father that he himself is her prince, and the two share a dance. As he watches, Lola and her father dance brent is able to get to his razor blade necklace and begins to quietly use it to cut at the ropes binding his arms together this is also another uncomfortable moment as opposed to like the other uncomfortable moments 
Um, this one's a more like yuck. <laughs> like <laughs> because I for a second there, did you think that they were gonna like make out? Were they yes. hinting that they're gonna make out? Yes. And then something happens. Yes. Yeah. Um it it was gross. Um this is also the point where like I was starting to put things together that uh that she was very Jeffrey Dahmer-esque. And uh, I was like, I wonder if those noises that we're hearing are the other guys that she's captured and mm. they're still alive. And we find out in the next scene that yeah. that is that is very much the case. That is very much the case. So I'm I'm very happy that we had those these small little things that were introduced to us before, like the razor blade necklace, which I completely forgot about. Um, but then he was able to use it, which I don't know where he kept it. Because I feel like they would have taken it off him. Because oh, they had to dress him up in this. He found it in his pocket, I think. Oh, so they didn't switch his pants? They just, like, put the tux on him? I think so, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, so, after the dance, Lola retrieves a dead animal while her father pulls aside a carpet on the floor, revealing a trap door. Unseen by Brent, there are a number of Lola's previous dates in the pit under the doors, which have been given the same treatment as Brent. As you can hear them struggling to make sound through their damaged voice boxes as she taunts them to sing for their supper. Following the feeding, Lola declares that it is time to lobotomize Brent, something her father has done to her previous dates, but is allowing Lola to do this time yeah she says uh you'll be my first which is also meant to evoke a uh losing your virginity on prom night thing so gross (laughs) though she follows her father's instructions he requests he help her leading to brent managing to break free of his restraints and slash at lola's father with his razor blade necklace which was a like fuck yeah moment Mm -hmm. i was like thank god he's able to fight back at some point um but I mean, this was uh, did this happen while the drilling was happening, right? Uh, yeah. So they they start drilling into his forehead. You can see it like break the skin, and this is where the sound design comes into play because Ugh, you feel God. you feel the sound. I don't know what exactly the sound is, like what they did to like get that sound, but it does sound like a drill hitting a skull. Yeah, you like can it like does. almost sound the skull. You can almost How hear the skull easy cracking. is it to Okay, I'm I don't want to dissect it like I I'm going to do it now. But like is it easy to break through a scroll through like with a drill? Um I don't think it's How necessarily hard are I, don't th- I don't think it's necessarily difficult because that that actually uh, is sometimes done medically. Like if someone gets into, we were a- gonna hear this podcast and be like, they're sounding very suspicious. No, 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 no. <laughs> Listen to me. Um, the, it actually is a thing that is done sometimes if someone has a traumatic brain injury. Like let's say you get into a car accident. Um, oh, okay. Your brain can swell, and what they will sometimes do to relieve the pressure, you know, once you're under anesthesia, of course, yeah. is they'll they'll literally crack your skull to allow your brain to expand and swell, um, and and the skull will like heal back in place once. The, once the swelling goes down, but it's it's a legitimate medical treatment that is sometimes done, not the way they're doing it. That is not so crazy. <laughs> it's not a clean environment, and typically that's done through like a much smaller drill that they use just enough pressure to cause a fracture. Whereas they are clearly trying to drill a hole through which the boiling water will be poured. Not fun. Um, but so at first Lola is like fucking it up, right? Trying to drill into to his head, but he, yep. she doesn't do it as well. And then 
it, it kind of they're kind of teasing us a little bit where it's like they're stalling a little bit he, she can't get it right but then she starts doing it and drilling it and this is where the part where it was like oh my god he's gonna fucking die yep the, this is it like he there's no going back from it he's getting a hole and i think there is a hole in his skull Yeah, they they drill the whole way through his skull yeah and so because at some point she's like Daddy, I want it bigger. We need a bigger hole. And so they're like, okay, let's let's do it again. And so I'm like, no, stop it. But at this point, this is where he takes the razor blade and uh, slices it across his neck, right? Yep. Uh, managing to pull the knives, affixing his feet to the floor. How? I don't know. Again, this is what you yeah. said. Adrenaline. <laughs> Adrenaline. Like, at this point, it's fucking life or death. We're taking this off. He then violently stabs Lola's father to death, which is like, fuck, Yes. Um, honestly wanted to see this guy go like it was it was too much uh, he was also the reason the dog died so I, I wanted him to get stabbed to death Yeah. Uh, when the old man attempts to, attempts to attack him this leads to Lola attacking Brent who subdues her and then tosses the father's body into the pit where the near starved captives begin to feast on the man's body Lola then gets up and throws Brent in and this point like fuck you come on but I guess it wouldn't be a good villain if she just dies immediately. Yeah. So she's going to fight back, uh, followed by her throwing nearby objects at him in anger before closing the trap door on him. And this is another moment where I'm like, fuck, man, what? this guy's so unlucky. Like, he he's going to be trapped here. Brent finds a flashlight and hammer that Lola had thrown down and kills the abductees as they advance on him. Also, like, fucking... Like Jesus Christ! Like he just killed. He has enough energy to also kill all these all these other zombies for the best. Honestly, at yeah. this point, Lola then goes and smothers Bright Eyes with a pillow, revealing to us that the woman is her mother. Which the, I call. Oh, did we know that? Yep. Oh, maybe I missed that. I'm sorry, guys. I'm such well, an awful well, podcaster. Like, it, <laughs> well, it's very much like a blink and you'll miss it type moment because she does smother bright eyes and then she then she just says, good night, mummy. And that's like it. That's the only reference they make. Good night, mummy. So you may have just missed that line. But yeah, they did definitely reveal that that, that woman is her mother, who I, which I called pretty early on in the movie. I just, the, it, it seemed too obvious that that was definitely her mom. Yeah, this movie definitely likes to hold information off until the very ending. As the night wears on, Holly remembers how Brent had told her that Lola Stone had asked him to the dance. She reports this information to a local officer named Paul Valentine. Which is just like a perfect name for a cop, by the way. Uh, Hi, my name is Paul Valentine. I was going to say MD, but that's not a... No. (laughs) (laughs) Who drives out to the Stone's family. At this point... I I, I kind of called that he was not going to survive. I I thought that he was that he's walking into. I mean, firstly, it just he doesn't connect everything fast enough to be like, oh, this is very suspicious. This seems like bad stuff is happening. Well, to be fair, if you were also in this position, that, I like, would call for backup. Well, but he's just like he's he. It's the the rush of emotions. He might have this. Might be the same people who did something to his son, uh, and you walk into this house and it's just destroyed. There's streaks of blood all over the floor. But I will say, I do kind of question how Holly could make this connection because it could be something easily that she forgot. And why why would it be of any concern? Well, that's why it took so long. You know, it's not like she like right away was like, "Oh yeah, Lola Stone asked him out." Like, but like, why would she, why would she 
even think that this would be a concern. Well, wouldn't you like, haven't you? I mean, because first of all, Lola's probably like that creepy kid in school that everyone's like, oh. That's like, true. But we didn't get that background yeah. story in this movie. Well, yeah, you know? we didn't. But like, think about this. She's been like just at home racking her brain trying to figure out what could have possibly happened. The only Obviously, other person was taken and, interacted. Like, and all of a sudden she like realizes, oh, what if this is a thing? You yeah. should at least go check this out. That's like. Okay, I, yeah, I can suspend disbelief a little bit and be like, okay, yeah, this is the only reason. I mean, because she doesn't even try to, like, ask Jamie or call Jamie and be like, hey, have you seen him? Because that's that. It's how you probably could have connected their storylines, but she doesn't. She yeah. just she just sits in the bed and is like, and this is what frustrated me was that we do get the time with, like, the mom and Holly and they're at home and they're, they're kind of, like, healing with each other. But at the same time, it's like, then we have his, like, him drilling and we're like, there's no way they can find out. Like, there's no way. But at this point, Brent is already trying to fight back. He's having his moment, but he's still trapped, so they send Paul Valentine over. Yeah. Um, and Unfortunately, it does not go well for him. So seeing bloody marks on the floor inside through a nearby window, Paul breaks into the house to look around. Hearing sound upstairs, Brent throws a number of items at the trap door, getting Paul's attention. As he opens the door, however, Lola appears behind the policeman and drives a meat cleaver to his head. Paul drives into the basement, instantly dead. Like that that went in like deep like that. That. Yeah. That's over for Paul Valentine, which I was so sad. I was like, oh, my God. And he's never found out that, like, she's the reason that her, his son is dead. Well, and now Mia lost somebody else, too. And, yeah, we never see the aftermath of, like, Mia figuring out that her dad is also dead. Yep. Like, fuck. That, that, was, that was sad for me. That was a sad death because um, he honestly also was just trying to do a good thing. Um Lola then threatens to kill Brent's mother and then Holly, given that he has killed her father. Once she leaves, Brent notices a large pile of bones in the pit, using them as well as the bodies as he manages to climb out, which I is was, kind of a, a funny move. I was kind of surprised that it wasn't like a ladder like built into the wall or something. Yeah, because like how... Like, yeah, how like, I mean, at some if, point if, you like, needed to go in there. Get, well, I guess maybe like they would have just brought a ladder. ladder yeah, that's true. Something that like the people inside could have climbed out with. Um, but yeah, that's he true. literally like had to make a pile of bodies so he could get out. And then like after all the trauma, he's still able to pull himself out of this pit. And I'm going to tell you, like, I never expected to see all of this in this movie. Yeah, me neither. Like, just from the cover. I mean, some we did see the trailer um, afterwards. And we were like, oh, my God, it does give away a lot. But if you just went in knowing the poster, you, there's a lot more to this movie than you think. Mm -hmm. Lola then takes off walking down the road with a knife and her scrapbook, planning to carry out her vengeful mission. As she sees a car approach, she recognizes it belonging to Holly, who had gone curious and headed out to the stone's residence as well lola hides in the nearby bush and as the car approaches she throws her scrapbook at it causing holly to come to a stop uh this is also i mean because we didn't really get to the point where holly kind of takes it upon herself which is like there is some sort of connection i forget but so does holly there's something that makes her want to go over there well, yeah, because she sent the cop over and then never heard anything. Oh, so, like, okay. She yeah, was yeah. like, you know what? It's been a couple hours. Why don't I just go over and see? And now it's like, yeah, now it's day daytime. And she's, I, I love 
that Holly was like, you know what? I'm going to do it myself. Uh, but at the same time, I was so nervous for her. I was like, oh, no, this girl doesn't know what she's getting into. Like, can she be a match to Lola? You know, mm-hmm. in shock from what has happened, Holly's surprised when Lola appears, throwing open the passenger side door and attempts to stab her. I mean, this is kind of pretty realistic. I don't blame her for, like, taking a moment and being like, what? Because, yeah, you kind of suspect something. But if you just saw your classmate just out of nowhere, you wouldn't automatically be like, you're a killer, <laughs> you know? But I, I don't blame her for being a little hesitant and then eventually be like, oh, my God. Um, and this seemed very real. Like, it didn't seem like there were any doubles. It seemed like there were these two actresses really, like, portraying real life like she's trying to get stabbed um i mean (laughs) she's trying to stab her Mm -hmm. holly manages to crawl away from the car with lola in pursuit when a police car came at scene coming from the direction of the stone's house at this point i had a funny thought (laughs) which was um what if holly got uh, run over no yeah no you did say that well, I mean, that I'm would exposing be that you. would be that would be awful if that happened. I mean, I, this was clearly building up for him to have a redemption moment where he swears around Holly and then hits Lola. But uh, the funny thought that I had was, you know, when when the police officer got thrown down in, and as he's like getting ready to go, um, I was like, you should probably like grab his keys and his phone from yeah. his pockets. But then my funny thought was like, he gets he crawls out of the pit, he finally gets out, and he's like. Oh, the keys were downstairs. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, fuck. Like, like, oh, my water bottle's upstairs. I don't want to go the whole way up there, you know? So the car just barely misses Holly before it swerves and plows. Plows. I'm going to stick with plows. <laughs> into Lola. Holly clambers into the clambers? Yeah. Yeah. You're clambering. It's What's that mean? You're like, if you're you're uh, anxiously you're like really frantically crawling. This is also a um, a very educational podcast. We learn a lot of words here. <laughs> Into the police car and is shocked to see Brent. Ah! The two embrace tearfully as Lola, severely injured but still not dead, crawls forward. And this is where I'm like, yo, fuck her up, fuck her up right now. Still intending to kill the pair. It is kind of funny though because she's yeah. like. Ugh. <laughs> like she's like a beast at this point. Uh-huh. The two- it's very like Terminator actually. We're like, you know, like still crawling at you. Yeah. And she still thinks that she's going to kill them. So seeing her approaching from behind them, Brent reverses the car, striking Lola in the head, presumably killing her. And this is where I'd be like, you know what? Back up, go forward, back up, go forward like a couple <laughs> times. But it's like the thing is that we don't see a lot happening. We only see like a quick second of her like head being bashed and like. Yep like breaking backwards it's like whoa okay which is which is satisfying but for me you just made me experience this whole movie where this this evil villain is getting away with everything i wanted her to have like a very drastic dramatic death you know um but you know what this this is this suffices too like i'm not i'm not complaining like a hundred percent um i was pretty happy with it how about you yeah i i agree with you that like i wish we could have seen her get more of her just desserts um (laughs) but it's still good enough. She's she's still dead. At least we she's presume that dead. she's dead. There's not of the loved ones to prettier in blood. So oh my God. Uh, we know that like we we know that that she's dead. Um, Wait, but- we do forget that she while she is with her scrapbook walking down like the road, like 
you know, she's just going to walk there. It's going to take her maybe like three hours to get to the house. Probably more. But she's just walking down there and she's like, am I not pretty? Yeah, she's singing to herself as she goes. I'm like, oh my God, this song is going to be fucking stuck in my head. So the final scene shows Brent and Holly pulling up to his mother's house where she embraces her son. And this was pretty quick. I think I kind of feel like this is a little rushed. I felt like you could have added maybe five or eight minutes to the movie. Well, this is where, like, I think you can tell that it's an Australian movie and not a, a, an American movie. Because if mean? it was if it was an American movie, you know, they would have they would have like pulled to the house and braced her son and then had like a flash forward where he's in the hospital. Like five and, years like, later. No, five years later. <laughs> But like you would have, you would have gotten a like full closing and of all these loops. You would have had the funeral for the. But dad. you know what you would have, have like, had is a like some oh, yeah. jump scare at the end where he's like in the bathroom and like closes the medicine cabinet door and you see a vision of Lola behind you and then end credits. No, it would have what it would have been probably is a little like uh, boutonniere shows up in a box with a little card that says Ooh. like from Lola. Like oh okay that's, that's good. That's what you would have that's what I would have done at least if I was writing the movie. But yeah, I this is like a very abrupt ending. I'm like you're not going to you give him the medical treatment uh, well, that he clearly needs. Well, because she kind of she doesn't know where she is. I don't even know Holly knows about what has happened or Holly's suspicious suspicions. Um, but she just sees him and hugs him. Yep. Which is fair. Which is fair. She's really concerned about him. But at the same time, like, yo, he has a hole in his head. He is bleeding through his tux. Like, he's fucked up. Yep. You need to, like, take him immediately. Well, I think that's what we said before. I was like, wait, you're not taking him to the ambulance? <laughs> like, nope. You're not driving to the hospital first? No, gotta go see mom. Okay. I mean, that's that's fine. That's sweet. Um, but as I was saying, I feel like you could have extended it a little bit more, maybe five to eight minutes, just like maybe him meeting up with Jamie and kind of explaining what yeah, happened. Yeah, you could or- have like tied at those loops and like you would see like, I feel like you would also see like Mia at her dad's funeral, like yeah. in like, like maybe she's not wearing, I mean, she'd be wearing black because it's a funeral, but like maybe she's like not as goth. She's like trying to move on now, now realizing like what has happened to her brother. Yeah. and But also like some repercussion that like every everyone found out what Lola did yeah. and maybe do something very a la Carrie, which is like maybe see the last few scenes before credits is like them like demolishing her like house burning down her or house burning or down her house. Yeah. yeah. Which is then fade to black. Um, but again, it's not, it's not that kind of movie, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. that is just our opinions. I think for me, it would, it would have been better to edit that way, but I don't mind this one. I feel like there were just so much good material in this movie that I feel like they could have easily gave us maybe a prequel with yeah. like with maybe another victim that you know we know that wasn't going to survive or maybe you could the have story seen the prequel with the brother with the so brother you could get him breaking out too and finding out where he is because technically he's still missing but everyone thinks he's dead yeah that's the other thing you could do you could have uh you could have a thing where like you he opens it up to he opens up like the little boutonniere box and he sees a note from Lola and then you see like the brother going off somewhere like like living in hiding basically because yeah. he doesn't want to get found by these people so uh, that's probably what you do is you do a, a second movie where you see the prequel you get to watch the brother get away yeah and then and then it ends to flash back to present day where the brother hears what happens and reunites with the family yeah I agree I think that that would have been good but that's just us, just I, us. I would I would have just loved to see more of these characters mm-hmm. and um I mean it's I think it's 
since 2009. How long is that? How many years? 13. 13, 13 years? Yep. 2009 to 2022. Oh, all right. So it's been 13 years. I don't know if they're going to make a sequel ever for this movie. But honestly, it's a good standalone movie as is. All right, guys, we're going to go ahead and take one last break. And when we come back, we're going to be talking about Just Desserts. Yes, that is right. We are going to rate this movie. So stay tuned. Welcome back, ghouls. It is now time for our Just segment. And in this segment, we're going to be rating the movie itself. First, from 0 to 10, Scared Cody's on how scary it was. And then from 0 to 10, uh, Prom Zombies. Prom Zombies. How would you rate this movie overall? Now, first, 0 to 10, Scared Cody's. Um, I would say probably a <laughs> seven and a half or an eight. Okay. Um, I'll I'll make it an eight. There were some there were some gross and gruesome aspects to this movie. Um, there were some times that I definitely had to look away. Yeah. Um, so I think that that's where it lands. I don't know that it was like necessarily like scary, scary, but more in the sense that like. I mean, it's clearly pretty based on, uh, on, uh, I almost said Jeff Dunham. Definitely also not that guy. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, Jeffrey Dahmer. Yes. Which we actually can't get happened. names right. <laughs> um, so I, you know, the, there's that little aspect of like, this could happen. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I'd give it an eight. I'm going to give it a six and a half. I'll give it a seven. I'll give it a seven. Um, no, I'll give it a six. I think it was it wasn't terrifying, but it was disturbing. There was disturbing moments of it. I had to look away. I was on edge for some things and you know, it really got emotions for me, but it, it you know, it wasn't completely like not scary. Yeah. So, I think it definitely had those horror elements. So, I'm going to give it a 6 for how scary it was. Um from 0 to 10 on how would you rate this movie overall? Um I think I would give this a 7. Okay. Um, I I did overall like the movie. I think the acting, I mean, on one hand, was phenomenal. Yeah. Everybody in this cast did a really good job. Um, the the girl, especially uh, Lola, was so believable. And uh, Robin McLevy. And she just did such a great job portraying this character that I could see being a franchise character if this had done better. Um. So I, I think that it really deserves that. I I don't know. I mean, there were some parts that, that I think were lacking. Um, I wish there was more, like, retribution. Yeah. Because we got to see, like, the, yes, like, he stabbed her dad and her dad died and then got eaten by the zombies that yeah. she was keeping in the basement. But, um, but we really didn't, like, get that same thing for her. She got hit by the car. But yeah. that was it. And like we didn't get any like anything after that where uh where like the community found out what happened or like her name got dragged through the mud or something like that. Yeah. So I was kind of missing that like that follow through where we got the payoff from them winning. It just like they won and then the movie was over and that was it. So yeah. I feel like I would give it a seven. 
Okay, yeah, I think I'm gonna agree with you. On seven, I think it just had some problems story-wise. Um a script-wise, I guess. But like honestly, everything I saw was really great. It was really great directed. Performances were so so awesome. And honestly, the standout for me is Lola. She does play a really good character. Yeah. She I know what she's trying to do, and she's doing it successfully. I was annoyed by her. I was charmed by her. She was entertaining, but at the same time, she's you know mental as fuck she's like sick and you know she really portrays all these different characters and characteristics really well so i mean and also i think this movie you know had a lot of balls to it like they were like willing to really hurt this main character and knock him down like every chance they got and to the point where like we honestly didn't think that he was going to make it out alive Mm -hmm. which i think was very successful in terms of like making a movie because you don't want it to be too predictable. And I honestly didn't think that he was going to make it. And then he did. And maybe you have to suspend disbelief in some sort of areas. Like how would he be able to drive with his fucked up foot? But like, you know, maybe you can. So I I really do like that. And it's successful because Cody would have, I feel like would have knocked a lot of this off being like, you know, maybe getting too into it, but you were able to like, be invested in the movie without doing that so yeah. i feel like that that's successful in in itself so yeah seven i would rewatch this movie i think this this was really good and re- really entertaining and that's why i said like you know i don't think i would be as entertained watching a jeffrey Dahmer movie being that like oh you know i i love hearing podcasts talk about the actual events but if we saw like a reenactment i'd be like no this is pretty fucked up yeah um but this is a good rendition of it, and I would be able to rewatch this knowing that it's kind of like taking the elements of what Jeffrey Dahmer did and not actually having to have any sort of realism to it. And I also think it blended a little bit of comedic elements to it really well. It didn't seem out of place, um, which I like. So I would I would give it a seven. Uh, would you recommend this to beginners to horror movies? Um, because you're not no longer a beginner, I would say you've been introduced to a lot of different horror movies. So I'm kind of having you give advice to your former self. <laughs> I I don't know. I think I might. Um, I but don't, I don't think so. I it's kind of hard because it's not like the the most extreme thing we've seen. But I think there's some parts of it that could turn people off. Yeah. Um. If you haven't really seen a lot of the same kind of movies before. Um, so I would recommend this is good for maybe people who have seen a few movies, a few horror movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. All right, guys. So that is it. We have made it to the end of the show. We have talked about the loved ones and we had a really good time. Yeah. We talked about our prom. We've talked about the movie. We talked about some background stuff. If you enjoy what you listen to, please make sure to subscribe and or follow to our podcast for next month, which is kind of this month because it's July. Um, we are going to be talking about summer slashers. So we're going to be talking about I Know What You Did Last Summer. Mm-hmm. We're talking about House of Wax, one of my top favorite horror movies. And we're going to be talking about Hatchet, which is probably going to be a movie that may be um, a hit or miss for Cody. As you guys know, um, that movie is gory. And as you guys also know, that Cody does not like gore not at so, all <laughs> we're going to see how that goes i think it's more on the comedic side as opposed to terrifier which was more like oh no this is like awful to look at which is like there is kind of so ridiculous that you don't 
get affected by it. But that could also, I could be wrong. We'll you see. could also be like, no, this is never happening again. Uh, they also have like a bunch of sequels. So we may watch those too. <laughs> Anyways, guys, thank you so much for listening. Make sure to like stuff. Uh, head over to our YouTube channel and subscribe there. We also have a Patreon um, where mm-hmm. you can actually look at the video of us discussing this movie. But if you don't, you also get early access um, in certain tiers like the Meats and Potatoes and the Justice Hurts tiers on Patreon. That's where you're going to find um, early access to this episode. Uh, so stick, stay tuned for that. We only have the remaining three episodes left of our season three before we take a break and we return for the Halloween season. Um, but with that being said, make sure to follow us on Instagram at the Horror Bandwagon or on Twitter at Horror Bandwagon. No, the. You can also go to our website, which is www.theharrorbandwagon.com. And with all that, we leave you with us being your source for horror analysis, criticism, and spooky, okay? And sometimes kooky entertainment. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.